Amen. We're taking a break here from our Proverbs studies to do a Christmas message. Obviously, with the program going on today, thought it was a good time just to kind of stop and look biblically at the holiday season here and especially look at Christmas. With that being said, I like to look at all the different Christmas stories that you have in Matthew, you have in Luke, and some of the prophecies. And there's this theme that kind of develops here a little bit. And it's just some simple words. Do not be afraid. Now, you would not think of Christmas and the idea of fear. That's kind of an interesting thing. So do not be afraid. Those are words that we use a lot in our lives, if you think about it. We tell our kids that when they're afraid, be it of the dark, be it a thunderstorm, be it of just life, we tell that to our friends. When they face struggles in life, we tell that to ourselves regularly. When we face trials, tribulations, be it work, be it health, just life itself, we said, do not be afraid. Now, what does that phrase have to do with Christmas, though? It's through the entire Christmas story. Well, what did the angel tell Zacharias when he appeared to him to announce the birth of John the Baptist? He said to him in Luke chapter 1, do not be afraid. Okay, what did Gabriel tell the angel? Excuse me, what did Gabriel the angel tell Mary when he appeared to her to announce the miraculous birth of Jesus? He said to her in Luke 1, do not be afraid. And what did the angel say to the shepherds keeping watch over their flocks by night? In Luke chapter 2, he said, do not be afraid. And one more time, what did the Lord tell Joseph in a dream when he was pondering the pregnancy of Mary? In Matthew chapter 1, he said, do not be afraid. So I think the Lord is trying to tell us something here this Christmas, this idea of do not be afraid. Now, Christmas is a wonderful, wonderful, joyous time of the year. I absolutely love the Christmas season. I love everything about it. I love the glow of Christmas lights. I love how a secular world will stop and start singing Christmas carols that mention Jesus. Just think about that for a second. A secular world will start singing about Jesus. If you remember correctly, years ago, we had a, our, one of our missionary friends over to Israel, Ephraim, come over who is Jewish. And, you know, a messianic Jew believes in Jesus, but he ministers and serves over in Israel. And he talked about one time, I think, being over in Malaysia, which is a predominantly Muslim country. And as he was walking through the mall at the Christmas season in this Muslim country, they were singing Christmas carols about Jesus and captive ransom Israel. He says, here's a Muslim country talking about Jesus coming to save Israel. Boy, that is an example of a secular world stopping for a second and really stopping and thinking about the true meaning of the season. Now, does that matter to anybody as they sing those words? I don't know. Those Christmas carols are sung all the time. But for a brief moment, the world, the world will mention Jesus. We were listening to some Christmas music in the car the other day, and it was on a station that we normally don't listen to. And so one of the boys noticed that, and they said, Dad, this is a Christian station. And I said, well, no, they're doing Christmas music right now. And they said, oh, it must be a Christian station. They're singing about Jesus. Nope. Even the secular world will stop and sing about Jesus during this time. You see that. So I love this. I love this excitement in people. But, but you've got to remember, amongst all this joy, this is still a cursed fallen world that's lost in sin and in need of a savior this is still a world in fear people struggle with life they struggle with debt they struggle with sickness unemployment you name it discouragement disappointment everybody will still struggle with something this christmas people will still have fear and no matter how much you love christmas lights christmas carols christmas cookies christmas whatever there's not enough of those to take away fear but there is a baby that can take away fear And that's what I want to talk about here. Take a look here at Luke chapter 2, please. Luke chapter 2. 
Let's start in verse 8. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shine shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Now think about this for a second. Put yourself in this position. You're a shepherd. You're out there in the middle of the night. Your job is to make sure that nothing comes and gets those sheep. All of your threats are on the ground level. All of your threats are there for you to protect. And all of a sudden, in the middle of the darkness of the night, assuming you were probably sleeping, there is a bright light, the glory of the Lord. Of course, you're going to be afraid. That's why they say in verse 10, do not be afraid. We joke about this a lot out here. Anytime the Lord says in the Bible, do not be afraid, why is he saying that? Because people were obviously afraid. There was fear. Have you ever really thought through the Christmas story? Why did the angel have to tell Zacharias when John the Baptist was born, do not be afraid? Zacharias was in taking care of the daily routine in the temple. He was taking care of the incense, maybe taking care of the showbread. We don't know. He's planning on doing this. He doesn't want to mess up. An angel appears. That would scare him. Do you realize almost any time an angel appears in the Bible, the result is fear. That's not something we're used to nor expect. And when we are giving a glimpse of the glory of God, there is fear. Mary was afraid. Why was Mary afraid? Mary at this time, I don't know, maybe as young as 14, probably not much older than 16 or 17. Joseph, same age. There's fear. Can you imagine being a 15-year-old girl, being a 15, 16-year-old boy, all of a sudden angels are appearing to you and say, hey, you get to have the Messiah as a child or as a stepson. That's a little bit difficult. That's a lot for somebody to carry. Of course, there's going to be fear. I think we forget this. We forget that these were real people battling real emotions at a very young age. So here are real shepherds just trying to take care of their sheep. And all of a sudden, the angel appears. They're going to be afraid. And that means you're going to have fear. I don't know what your fear is. I doubt angels are appearing to you right now to say you're going to have a miraculous birth. But you're going to have some type of fear this season. So what do you need to remember during this time of fear? Take a look here at verse 11. For there is born to you. Note that. Personally, to you. This day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That should change your entire life. A Savior was born for you. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Do you see the repetition of you? Verse 11, born to you. Verse 12, this is the sign to you. You will find. This is personal. This is where we get these ideas of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. This is you and the Lord and understanding who that is. And when you understand who the Lord is in your life, it takes away fear. Let's build on this. Christmas is many things to many people. There are lights, there's presents, materialism, days off work, days off school. But there's also Christmas is many things to a born-again believer. It is grace, love, joy, peace. But I want you to focus on this one idea today of do not be afraid. That there was a baby born 2,000 years ago to take away fear. Think about that. I don't know what you're afraid of. 2 Timothy 1.7 says this, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you have fear, that is not of the Lord. God doesn't use that. Let's talk about this a little bit more. Can you go with me to Hebrews chapter 2, please? Hebrews 2. Let's talk about the fears we face. 
And how does Jesus take care of these fears? Because Christmas is supposed to be freedom from fear. We are free to walk in this world in faith and not fear. Hebrews chapter 2. What's the biggest fear we probably face in life? Probably the fear of death. Take a look here at Hebrews 2. Start in verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus defeated death. Remember that, verse 15. And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Fear of death. People are afraid to die. We live in a society today where we do absolutely everything we can to keep ourselves alive. Where really, as a believer, the greatest thing that could happen to you is die. Do you ever think about that? The greatest thing that could happen to you is to be done on this world and to be set free and to be in heaven. But yet, we do everything we can to hang on to this. When we lose a loved one who is saved, there is sorrow, there is sadness. But we have to remember what they are experiencing. Jesus came to take away the fear of death. I read this recently in devotional. It says, Christmas is for freedom. Freedom from the fear of death. Jesus took our nature in Bethlehem to die our death in Jerusalem. That we might be fearless in our city. Yes, fearless. Because if the biggest threat to my joy is gone, then why should I fret over the little ones? Think about that for a second. If the biggest threat to your existence is death, and that threat is gone... What do you have left to be afraid of? If you're not afraid of death, this is the crazy thing I run into when I talk to Christians. Is they say, oh, I'm not afraid of dying. Amen. But you're afraid of that bill? I'm not afraid of dying, but you're afraid of that job situation? That doesn't make any sense. God took away the biggest fear you could ever face, which is eternal death and hell. Gave you heaven. How could we be worried about anything else then? Why should I fret over the little ones? How can you really say, well, I'm not afraid to die, but I'm afraid to lose my job? No, he says, think. If death, death, that idea of no pulse, cold, gone, if death is no longer a fear, we're free. Really free. Free to take any risk under the sun for Christ and for love. No more bondage to anxiety. If the sun has set you free... You shall be free indeed. Now think that through for a second. I would assume most of you coming this morning would probably say if I asked you, are you afraid of dying? If you're here this morning and you're born again and saved, you would say, no, I'm not afraid of dying. Okay? Then with that logic, what in the world could I ever be afraid of in any way whatsoever past that? Hebrews 2, he took away the fear of death. He came all the way back in all the Christmas stories. Do not be afraid. He has not given us a spirit of fear. So what happens when we do face fear? Because there are some fears in the Bible that the Lord allows. I want to look at these real quick. Can you go with me real quick to uh, Luke 21? We're talking about him taking away fear. There's some fear that he allows into this world, though, for a reason, for a purpose. I want to ask you if you have any of these fears here today. Take a look at Luke 21, please. Luke 21, starting verse 25. 
And there will be signs in the sun and the moon and in the stars and on the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Do you catch 26? Men's hearts failing them from fear. The world is ending. It's absolutely ending. The world is falling apart. Jesus Christ is returning. That is a fact. That is what's happening. When you watch the news, it should be clear. It should be evident to you. You don't need to turn there, but Matthew 24 says this. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Does this not describe the world today? For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you. And you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. That's what's supposed to happen. That's why it says in Luke 21, men's hearts failing them from fear. Now, if you're here and saved this morning, there's not a fear of that. It's come quickly, Lord Jesus. But the Lord sometimes wants the world to stop and say, are you ready? Are you ready to meet your maker? Are you ready for the world ending? What about when Jesus was on the cross? If you remember correctly, when Christ was on the cross, there was some fear. If you remember, the world went dark from noon to three. Now, that would be kind of scary. All of a sudden, from noon to three, the the main brightness of the day, it goes dark. And here are these Roman soldiers the toughest of the tough, standing there at the foot of the cross. And it says this in Matthew 27, 54. So when the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, truly, this was the Son of God. That fear led them to understanding who Jesus Christ is. So that's a fear that the Lord used. And the last example of good fear, if you will, can you go with me to John 19, please? John 19. Pilate faced fear in dealing with Jesus. So the first part of this message is, this Christmas story, people were afraid. You have a teenage girl, a teenage boy, having a miraculous baby that's going to change their lives. There is some fear. You have shepherds in the middle of the night that have angels appear to them. There is some fear. But then we talked about the fear that Jesus takes from us, the fear of death, the fear of life, meaning the fear of the worries of this life. There's nothing to be afraid of. If he's defeated death, what do we have to be afraid of? Christmas is fear. Excuse me, Christmas is freedom from the fear of death. But then we realize the fear that is still there, fear of the world events. But if you know Christ, you don't have to worry about those world events. Freedom from that fear of realizing Jesus is God. The Roman soldiers realized that, and they said, truly, this man was the Son of God. But take a look here at John 19. We're introduced to Pilate. Pilate was the Roman governor at the time. He had the power, if you will, to decide Jesus' life. And look at the conversation that they have, starting in John 19. So what happens is this. Verse 5, Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, and Pilate said to them, behold the man. Pilate thought, I've done enough, right? beaten this guy up some, mocked him some for your sake. Can't we let this guy know? Look, he's wearing the purple. We're mocking him. He's got the crown of thorns. He's been beaten. But verse 6, Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. 
Pilate says he hasn't broken any Roman rules or laws. You want him dead, you do it. Verse 7, the Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to our law, he ought to die because he had made himself the son of God. We have to get your permission to put him to death, Pilate. Verse 8, therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, he was the more afraid. Why was Pilate afraid? Verse 7, he made himself the son of God. There is fear when realizing you're dealing with God. It says in the book of Hebrews, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Before we get to the next point here, if you're here this morning and you're not saved, you should be scared. You should be scared of the world ending in Luke 21 and Matthew 24. You should be scared like the Roman soldier standing at the foot of the cross realizing what death looks like in sin. You should be afraid like Pilate is standing before God. But yet, if you're here this morning, you're born again and saved. There's no fear of anything because Jesus defeated death. It's this amazing opposite that happens. So what does Pilate do when faced with this? Therefore, when Pilate, verse 8, heard that saying, he was the more afraid, and he went again into the praetorium, this is the governor's headquarters, and said to Jesus, where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Pilate needs to know more. They, They say you're the son of God. I've heard what you have done. There is fear now. What am I supposed to do with you? Pilate said to him, are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have power to crucify you and the power to release you? You ever realize when somebody has to remind you how much power they have, it really shows how little power they have? Pilate, I have power over you, Jesus. I can kill you. Verse 11, Jesus answered, you could have no power at all against me unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered to me to you has the greater sin. See, Pilate is realizing the lack of power he has. He is face-to-face with God. He is face-to-face with understanding that this Jesus is not just a mere man, that he is the Son of God. And the result of that is fear. The result of that is fear. You know, I got saved 25 years ago. And how I got saved was Jim Crager teaching on the reality of hell. And when he taught on the reality of hell, and he taught on the punishment of sins, I heard that, and I said, I don't want that. What do I need to do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe in what he did. His sacrifice says, I will do it. And it comes from the book of Jude. The book of Jude says this, others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. I was saved out of fear. Now, once I got saved, I have learned the grace, mercy, love, compassion of God. And I love it. But what initially got my attention was the reality of hell. I look at Pilate face to face with Jesus. Pilate at this point has to make a decision. Is this man really God? Pilate was afraid. The centurions had to make a decision and they were afraid. People living in this world today, when they watch the news and they see everything completely, utterly falling apart, like we read in Matthew 24 and Luke 21, they are afraid. But yet, the Lord says, I haven't given you a spirit of fear. Because if I've defeated death, what do I have to be afraid of? Let me read this to you again. Because if the biggest threat to my joy is gone, then why should I fret over the little ones? How can you really say, well, I'm not afraid to die, but I'm afraid to lose my job? Well, there's no fear there. No fear in any way whatsoever. If death is no longer a fear, we're free, really free. And that's what I see going on here at Christmas. There is fear in this world. 
There's disappointment. There's discouragement. And we kind of cover it up a little bit around the holiday season, don't we? Lots of lights, lots of fun, lots of carols, lots of TV specials. But yet we can't take away the true fear, the fear of that I'm going to die one day. And what am I going to do with that information? Jesus says, I can take that fear from you. And that's what I want you to think about this Christmas season, is that Christ took the fear of death from us through his death and resurrection, which we have to wait four months now to talk about, but his resurrection, we have freedom from fear. So if you are facing fear this morning, just be honest with yourself, really honestly, are you facing a fear? If you're here this morning and you're saved, what's that fear to death? What's that fear to Jesus saving you out of hell? That's nothing. Please remember that, that pure, simple point. Jesus came and died and took away our sins. And when our sins are taken away, we are free from fear in all ways and all things. Go out then and walk in that confidence, walk in that joy, walk in that peace that you're free. That's a beautiful thing to think about, that I don't have to allow fear to get the best of me. 2 Timothy 1.7, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of strength, power, and a sound mind. Hey, let's pray this into our lives. Lord, as we just come to you now, free from fear. Thank you for that, Lord, through what you did on the cross. Thank you, Lord, that even though this world wants to throw every fear, worry, and anxiety at us, that when we know you, we are truly free from fear. Help us to walk in that, to live it, not just talk about it, but to truly live it out, Lord. And Lord, to take that message and take that to everybody we run into when they are afraid, when they're worried, when they're anxious, that we can give them the answer to being free from fear, which is you, Lord. And in this world that is falling apart, thank you, Lord, for the confidence that we have in you in all ways and all things. We just ask you to go before the services, the messages, the worship, the program, all for your glory, Lord. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Worship team wants to come forward here for the final song.